If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to Acts chapter 4. That's where we're going to plant, hopefully grow there. Acts chapter 4. We're going to go from the first verse to the 12th verse this morning. And I pray you brought your Bibles. We brought your Bibles. I don't know what your uh, policy is. Some people really reverence this book in such a way that they won't wrinkle the page or write on it or anything. But if you're a writer and you're a note-taking person or a highlighting person, there's going to be some verses that I would strongly, strongly uh, encourage you to mark in your Bibles because I'm pretty sure we're going to need it going forward. Thank you, Lord. If you're there, say amen. amen. Good. Thank you, Lord. It might be up there. My Bible reads, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by priests, captains of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. The leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John was teaching the people that through Jesus, there is resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they just put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not including women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers and the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and some other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And this is what I want to really park on this morning. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are, you being questioned, are we being questioned today because what we've done, a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Verse 10 says, Let me clearly state, to all of you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For, this, for Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures when it says, the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone. King James says king or chief cornerstone. And and verse 12. There is salvation in no other el- no one else. God has given no other name under heaven and earth by which we must be saved. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord, that you are a holy God. You are a righteous God. You are a God that that loves and and and, pro- and provides and goes before us, Lord. And we're thankful this morning, God, that we have an opportunity to gather together here in this place and to worship in song and giving and the receiving of your word this morning, Lord God, that our expectations, we pray that you would show up in a way that would speak to the hearts of your people. Help us this day, Lord God, to be called yours, to do what you'd have us to do and to make you smile. Lord, remove any words spoken here that is unprofitable for any years. May it just wipe from their memories, Lord, and only what you want said. 
May it stick to our hearts. We thank you this morning for all of it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I got to share with you real quick a, a little miracle that I've uh, come to realize. Everybody got one of these? Most everybody on the planet has one of these, right? Smartphone, right? These things are incredible. They are incredible. The things that we can do on these phones, which I've experienced in this last week camping out in Texas, that, I mean, I can check the weather. I can check multiple emails. People are communicating through text. I can, we can put an address in this thing, and somehow it gets us there most of the time. It's a beautiful thing. You don't even need to know where you're going anymore. Matter of fact, we just said it, and we went, and we were just praying that it was going in the right direction. And, and it did, and it's great. And, but, but here's the thing with this. It is awesome used in the right way, and it can do a mighty things in the right way. But the biggest problem with these phones are what? Somebody yell it out. What? Well, yeah. We're not going to touch on uh, how bad that is, but what happens when it goes, I heard it. They go dead. And when they go dead, you know what they're good for? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. From the magnitude of the information and the power that we have in them and through them and with them to when they're dead, we become worthless. I, I can't even tell you my wife's phone number. That's how, that's how I need this phone. So when the phone goes dead, who, who remembers phone numbers anymore? Right? Because it's in our phone, and it's backed up somewhere, and we can fix it. But when it goes dead, and it's dead, then what? It's worthless. And our lives are a lot like that as Christians. Um, life has a way of draining our batteries. Can I get an amen? amen? Life's got a way of just drawing from us to the point where we just get to the point where we can't, we can't function uh, on a level that God would prefer us to function in. So recharging our batteries, just like we recharge our phones, is critical to being the men and women of God he's called us to be. Amen? We need to be ready and willing to be recharged. Having said that, I'm sitting around with a couple guys in the middle of the night this week talking about what we were experiencing in Texas and the, the sheer awesomeness of who God is and, and what he did and how he went before us and prepared the way and prepared the hearts and, and just did everything we needed to be done, because without him on this trip, we were doomed. <laughs> this trip was such a God thing that in our own strength and our own batteries, there was absolutely no way we could handle it. But God has a way of making that way where there seems like there is no way. No way. So I'm sitting around with these guys, and I'm asking, what's your takeaway from this so far? What, what are you getting? And we all had our answers, and we all talked a little bit. And when you're in it, it's different. So on the way home, I had to travel. I got to travel 1,200 and some miles to preach this morning. Um, 
So I'm hoping God, and I know God, has something for our hearts to help us recharge. There are people in here today that are not fully charged for the kingdom of God, for Jesus Christ. Not out of any uh, disrespect or, or, or any, uh, you know, willingness to just follow your own thing. It's just that our batteries get low. And if you're in here and your batteries are low, I learned something this week on that 12,000 million mile drive back that took for like a week. I learned something that I want to share this morning through God's word and God brought me to Acts 4. The best way that I have found and the way the Lord led me to recharge my batteries is through the simple act of thanksgiving, through the simple act of being thankful, having a thankful heart, having a heart that is just totally consumed with the understanding that without God, I can do nothing, nothing. So this morning, I want to share how to recharge our batteries. You with me? Forgive me, it's going to be super simple, which is good, which is good. I I just want you to hear how God recharged my batteries this week through his word. Not through my opinion, just not through my phone or anything else, but through his word. And we find it here. Um, but before that, how I found that out. How I found out that the thanksgiving was the key to a thankful heart is the key to recharging and getting juiced up totally totally filled so that we can do anything God calls us to do in his strength. Amen? Anyway, there's a picture that's going to be, oh, God, put up there <laughs> about um, this, this young lady is actually the mother of this child, right? This woman came on the last day that we were there, and the last day we were there, um, we've been giving out supplies, one day we did 2,300 cars with an average service per car of a total of over 10,000 people in one day. These people came the next day after, and there wasn't nothing left. We actually sent the rest of our supplies to the National Guard, and the National Guard was going to continue the work for us because we needed to get back on the East Coast because we didn't know what was going to happen with the storms that are coming. So... National Guard took over everything. This, these, this lady up here and her daughter showed up, and there was nothing left, basically. And this lady was so thankful that we came. She drove that far just to tell us that they were thankful, that we chose to pack up in North Carolina, go out there, and do what we could do to help. And on my reflection, on my drive back, this kept sticking in me. It's sticking in me how she didn't get anything initially. After we saw her heart, we basically emptied our coolers and gave her everything we had personally and sent her on her way. But even if she got nothing, she was incredibly grateful. I could sense the genuineness in her life about that. And how she saw what God was doing and that she was very grateful. So as I'm driving back 14,000 hours or whatever it was to get back here, um, ugh, forgive 
me. And um, God just kept impressing me on this lady and her thankfulness and her thankfulness. I'm like, okay, Lord, as I'm coming home, as difficult as it was to get home, and it was difficult. It was a beautiful thing because God was just revealing things to my heart that I couldn't get while I was in the midst of it. But once I got out of it and reflected back to it, I could see exactly what God wants shared. And, and today it's thankfulness. Thankfulness. So I'm going to share with you what I am thankful for. What I am thankful for. And what these things that I'm thankful for are, are unchangeable will never change, will always be the same. We could guarantee and bet our lives on it, and most of us have. But we just, as life rolls, as life moves, we just get so busy with this and that and trying to get that accomplished and this accomplished that sometimes we lose our juice. God's got a, he's got a plug that could juice us right back up. I don't know about you, but I hate those cords. Those cords that go to your phone that you got to plug in, if they're not already worn out, um, they don't work half the time. And, and my phone is, like, completely different. It doesn't match any other buddy else's chargers unless you got a Pixel. And it's just, like, crazy. Well, God makes it much more easy than that. He shows us in his word how to juice up. And today we're going to juice up, or I'm juicing up, and you can come with me or not. It's all good. But in Acts, we have the story of James or Excuse me, Peter and John. And Peter and John are preaching. Most of us know the story. He goes to, just a little context before we jump into it. He goes to the temple in the afternoon, 3 o'clock service, and finds a lame man at the temple gate. We know it. He was lame from birth, and he's begging for alms. And John and Peter show up and say, listen, I got no, I got no silver. I got no gold. I don't know what to tell you. But what you do need to know is that stand and rise in the name of Jesus Christ. And that man got up with some help from Peter, and he walked and walked with the group, stayed with the disciples as they journeyed to this point in Acts, in this story here. So they're preaching Jesus. It's all Jesus. And today, you're getting nothing but Jesus. These people, as they, as they saw, um, as Peter and James saw the crowd, they knew what they needed, just like all of us. We need Jesus. So I'm just going to jump to this text in the verse 10. And, all, and three points of my four points are in one verse. So it's easy to mark in your Bible so that when you need a little... <clears throat> or a little plugging it in to be juiced up for Jesus Christ, for the work of the kingdom, for the furtherance of what God's plan is in your life and the, and the lives of the people around you, we need to be juiced up. Amen? Thank you, Lord. I know I do. I just want to read verse 10 again. It says, Let me clearly state to all of you, the people of Israel, that he, that man that was sitting at the gate, of the temple begging for alms, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. You know what I'm thankful for? I am thankful for the God-man Jesus Christ. What am I saying? I'm saying that 
There is, irregardless of what secular society may say, very few of even those people will, will argue the fact that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. He lived, there's proof that he lived in Nazarene. This is the point of placing him at a place, Nazarene, Jesus, the Nazarene, that he walked this earth, that he, he, was, he was born of a virgin, that it, I'm thankful that he was born a virgin from a virgin because then he could fulfill the purpose in which he came. I am thankful that he put on flesh and blood. Do you ever think about Christ, him, the Father, the Holy Spirit are in heaven doing their thing, you know, in eternity past? And at some point, I don't know, they flipped a coin or something, and Jesus got the job to be the, our Messiah, our deliverer. He got to come and become man, the incarnation of, of God becoming flesh and bone and being man. I'm thankful for that. You know, that, that's never going to change. No circumstances in my life can change that. No difficulties, no brokenness, no hard-heartedness is going to change the fact that he was actually a man. He actually walked the earth. He actually, the thing that I'm grateful for in this aspect, in the context that we're talking about, is that Jesus walked where we walk. He knows everything that you've ever experienced because he experienced it. His emotional uh, attachments, his his uh, the betrayal, the 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 emotions that you you go through, he went through. He understands, and I am thankful that my God is alive and that He understands me and you. Very important. We need to be thankful for that. No circumstance, no hurricanes, no devastation, no floods, no no just. Anything can change the fact that I am thankful that Jesus Christ became man. He left heaven, came to earth, and became our redeemer. He became the sacrifice. He became the sinless lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm thankful for that. Nothing can change that. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for a lot of things. But the thing that I'm talking about that can never be changed is that Jesus walked, lived, and shared the same things that we do. I'm thankful for that. Amen? Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, they even gave you his address to prove he was there. I'm thankful for that. goes on to say, the man whom you crucified. I want you to know that I'm thankful today. I am thankful from the depths of my heart that Jesus was willing to give his life for me, for you, for the world, for all those who are, who are, are willing to trust him and put their faith in him, have confidence in him, for those who are willing today to, to surrender all to the king. He was willing to sacrifice his life. 2,000 and some years before Jim even got a grip on any of this. That I am thankful for in a big way. I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for uh, he took my sins. 
But before we touch on that, I want to back up. And this is where I want to turn some pages. Okay, because these are the things that can help you become people that are grateful, that, are, that, are, that cannot be moved off that gratefulness. In John 19, verses 10 and 11, and you can mark it in your Bible or take a note, but this is the story where Jesus is in the company of Pilate, and Pilate was, was, was uh, I don't know what he was doing, <laughs> But he was questioning Jesus, and Jesus would not respond to any of the accusations that, that was put up on him by Pilate. And Pilate says in these verses, he says, why won't you talk to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to set you free or to crucify you? And Jesus said, there is no authority on this earth that is not from above. Or in other words, the authority you have, you only have because I gave, you to, gave that to you as a sovereign God. In other words, he's saying, I'm the one giving up my life. Nobody's taking it. Matter of fact, on the cross, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus, no man took his life, he gave it freely. And when he gave it freely, he not only gave it freely, but he dismissed, the Greek says, his spirit. In other words, he told his spirit when it was finished. And it was hours and hours and hours and hours before normal suffocation and all the, the things of crucifixion would take place to actually kill a man. That's why they stabbed him once to make sure it was going to happen. But listen, Jesus was willing to die for you and me. I know me, and I'm pretty sure you know you, and that's a beautiful thing, that he can love us even when we know we're not exactly lovable or even faithful or committed or whatever. God knows, and I'm thankful for that, that he gave his life. He didn't have to, but he did. He could have called a legion of angels down and removed him from that cross, but he chose to hang there and die for me. And I'm thankful for that. That will never change, that fact. As long as I put my eyes and heart on it, I will be recharged in it. I'm thankful that he took my sins. You should be thankful that your sin debt, if you are a believer in Christ this morning, that your sin debt has been paid. What do I mean by believer this morning? Listen, a lot of people say a lot of things about how to get saved or be born again or, or whatever terminology you want to be. Jesus, if you believe Christ died on the cross to redeem you from your sin penalty, then you are a believer of Jesus Christ. Because when Christ asked Peter and the guys, who do they say I am? They stepped up and said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that didn't come from human understanding. That came from my father in heaven. That came from the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart and illuminating that truth. Are we changed in the twinkling of an eye? No. You know, there's, gonna be, there's, a, there's all about this sanctification thing that, that we're all walking through if we're followers of Christ. There's difficult times. Hence the recharging. He took my sins. 2 Corinthians 
I want to read this one because I don't want to mess this one up. This is just too good. 2 Corinthians, what did I just say? Good. That's pretty good. And there's nothing better in a, in a church service to hear Bible pages turning. It's got to say. 2 Corinthians 5, I'll get there eventually. 21. You there? If you're listening, say amen. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I am thankful for that. The church ought to stand and applaud the work of Christ because of that. He was willing to take my sin. I love you, but I don't care that he took your sin. I care at the moment for recharging my batteries that he took my sin. And it's supposed to be personal, and it's supposed to be personal for you. He took your sins. He took it on himself and suffered and died a sinner's death because of me. And the fact is that if I was the only human being on the planet, he would have did it for you and for me. We should be thankful. We should be able to look at these things and understand that this is irrevocable. This is unchangeable. Nothing can change these truths that juice us up, that recharge us when we are, have a, we are a thankful person, thankful people. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Not only that, he not only was willing to die for my sins, and take my sin debt onto that cross. But he took my separation away from God. In Matthew, you probably know the story, Jesus is on the cross. And at the final moments of his earthly ministry, Jesus cried out. And again, let's go to Matthew 27, 46. Thank you, Lord. Okay. As the page turns, if you dare say amen. amen. Good. Nice. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthai, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The moment, it's a mystery, we don't understand it, but we know it's true. As Christ was dying on the cross, all the sin, debt of all the people, of all history, present and future, sins were placed upon him. And in that moment that those sins of humanity was laid on him, because God the Father is a holy God. He cannot look upon sin. The only time in Scripture we find Jesus saying, my God, instead of my Father, was when this weight was on him. And when that weight was on him, he felt our separation. He took my separation and brought us home. He brought us home. And I'm thankful this morning 
and I am juicing and wide open because God is recharging my batteries because I, we've all known this stuff, but as we look into it and as we, those who need this, hear it and allow the word to penetrate our hearts, it's going to do something supernaturally for you and for me. He took my separation. Before we became believers in Jesus Christ, there was a void. There was something missing. And we try to fill that void as much and as hard as we can with everything that we can. Well, the fact of the matter is the only thing that will fill that, that separation or that void is the work of Jesus Christ. I am thankful for the, the God-man Christ. I am thankful for the work of Jesus Christ. And I am thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. None of these things can be changed. These are truths that have been established as absolute. So we can always go back to it and allow the Holy Spirit to recharge our batteries. I'm thankful. And in that same verse 10, it says, Who God raised from the dead. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is the one that makes the difference. In John 11, 25 and 26, it says that Jesus defeated death in the grave. I am thankful that Jesus has, a, has defeated death in the grave. That's a beautiful thing because every person in this room has been affected by death in the grave. Well, they have no more power because of what Jesus has done. He has taken our sins. He has paid the sin debt. And now we are free, free to serve Jesus, to love Jesus, to work for Jesus, to love one another. Thank you, Lord. God is good. He not only defeated death in the grave, he defeated hell itself. And I'm going to go to Revelations 1 and 18 and just read it to you. 1 and 18, John is getting a tour of heaven by Jesus Christ through an angel who ministered to him in it. And he saw this said by Jesus Christ. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. In other words, we are free from the condemnation. There is no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. None. You are free from guilt. Now, we need to live like that. We need to live like that. There are people in here who do not forgive themselves for whatever. And I'm here to tell you that if you're not forgiving yourself, you are taking the place of God. Because God forgave you. And who do we think we are to, to upstage God and one-up them about us. It's not an act of humility. It's, an, it's a sin. It's called idolatry. And sometimes we are our own God. So if you're here today, forgive yourself because you've been forgiven out of an act of obedience to Christ. If you understand it or not, don't take God's place. There is only one God, one authority, one name above heaven and earth that men are called to be saved by. One name. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to tell you a couple things that I'm thankful for. 
I'm not just thankful for the God-man, Jesus Christ, him walking this earth, proving to the world that he was real. I'm not only thankful for the work of Jesus Christ, the sacrifices and the effort that went into the suffering and death that he gave freely. And I'm not just thankful for the resurrection, which without that, this is all a waste of time. We've wasted our life. But the proof is, and the truth is, that he rose again. If you went to a court of law, and in a court of law, you had the evidence that Jesus was, that was given for Jesus' reappearance after the crucifixion, he would be acquitted in a heartbeat. We're talking 500 people minimum that walk in that courtroom and say, I saw him. I saw him. Jewish law said there's only two needed. Hundreds. I'm thankful for his resurrection. But you know what? I'm mostly thankful for the way, the way to eternal life can't be changed. Nobody can, can mess with me. It's been given. cannot be removed. It is forever and ever. There's only one way. One way. John 14, 6. We all know it, right? We all know it. John 14, 6. I am. One of the great I am statements. I am the way. The truth and the life. No man, no woman, no child comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way. I am so thankful for that. You know, let me just put it in my words. When I was unable to come to God because of my unworthiness, he came to me. He came to me. There's those of us here today that haven't experienced that. There are those that haven't experienced that. You knew that you weren't good enough. You knew that you weren't righteous enough. You knew and know that there's nothing good of me apart from God. It's one way. Jesus Christ. One way. When I was unable to come to him. He came to me. And in the last couple weeks, you heard a little testimony from Lucas last week, I was told. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony about this fourth thing that I am thankful for. And not to give anything away, but my brother Tim over there, he's going to do the same thing coming up. So we all look forward to that. But when I was unable to come to God, some 20-some years ago, I found myself in a place of desperation, of brokenness, of uh, at any moment losing everything I understood to be true. And it brought me to a place at 11.38 on June 14th, 1997, that I have convinced myself that that would be my last day. That would be my last day. And in a hotel room... Washington, D.C., at 11.38 that night, I was convinced that I would not make it past midnight. I had prepared to hang myself in that hotel room. Because originally, I'll just share with you, didn't really think I was going to even make it off the streets. Never, ever would have thought I'd make it to 30 and... 
already worthless now. Everything's falling apart. About to lose my kids and everything that I knew as true. And I just wasn't going to go there. I was done. My battery was empty. And at the last hour, or last minute, actually, I don't know why, but I fell to my knees and I cried out the first and last time. And I said, if you are real, and Lord, if you are who these people say you are that surround me, I need you to show me now. There was, there was addictions and challenges in my life that I kind of made a deal with God, which is theologically bad thing. <laughs> but as an ignorant, young, matter of fact, minute into this whole trip, uh, It was probably the most sincere cry for help that I've ever asked. And by the time that I got off my knees, it was like a minute before midnight, I got off my knees and there was something had changed. Something had changed. And what had changed is that guy who prayed that prayer died spiritually. And what happened was a new creation was made. And what happened was in that new creation, an addiction that rehabs couldn't fix, that medications couldn't fix, that my own effort couldn't fix, every aspect of every way to try to get straight didn't work. But let me tell you, people, when I got off my knees, it was gone. It was gone. Thank you, Lord. Not to discount, you know, celebrate recovery and all the other great things people have to, to try to, you know, break free from that. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus saves. And he saves Sinners, sinners, which I feel I was the chief, chief sinner of the group. He saved me. He delivered me. He freed me. He gave me everything that I need to walk in his way, to make him smile, to share the intimate, personal things about who he is that I have been revealed for in my life and to spread it, whatever that looks like. By the way, if you're not in a growth group, you really need to be in a growth group. I was going to make that promo before we started. But listen, if you're not signed up for a group, you don't need to. Just show up, except for Ray and Donna. Don't go to Ray and Donna's. You know, they're, they're great people, but they are, like, covered over. You know, we're talking 20s. Lots of people go to their group. We need people to go to other groups, too. So if you're here and you're not there and you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, if you're sitting in this room today and you don't know the guy across the way or the lady, you know, you don't know half the people in the room, which is probably the truth for most of us, a growth group is a great way to learn meet a lot of people.
So, enough of that. Jesus Christ saved me, delivered me, freed me, anointed me, and sent me. And he did the same thing for you. So when we reflect and we look upon these things, that, that, that thankfulness will charge our batteries, will fill up the, those dead places in your heart and in your life, and will make a difference for an eternity. And you can go back and fill up again and again and again because we need to. We need to. So, in closing, the band's going to come back, I'm guessing. And here it is. I want to do this. One of the greatest challenges to thankfulness is what? Shout it out. Okay, the opposite. The opposite is complaining. If you're thankful, you shouldn't be complaining. So I just want to share this with you and give this to you, and you can do whatever you want with it. But 10-some years ago in another church that I was pastoring, for 30 days I called a fast. Okay, hear me, because this is for you. I called a fast, and not a food fast. Not a TV fast, not these things that we dread giving up, but a no complaining fast. 30 days, no complaining. I challenge you to try it. I challenge you. Are you spiritual folk? Give it a shot. You know what will happen? What will happen is that we will see all the negativity coming out from us. And we will feel that, and it will drain us. But the more that we focus on being grateful instead of complaining, everything will change. Trust me, I had a congregation that did it, and I saw the fruit. I saw the fruit in my own life. So although I don't have the authority in this place to call a solemn fast, I'm challenging you. If you're for real and you want more and you want to be rejuvenated and refreshed and recharged, no complaining from this minute forward. 30 days from this minute forward, no complaining. Right? What's going to happen is that you're going to get better. You're going to complain less and you're going to be thankful more. And you're going to sense the moment right before you complain, and God will stop you. And then you'll find that the person of Christ, the work of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the way to eternal life will be the thing that you can replace your complaining with. And when you replace your complaining with this, with Jesus and his work and his way, it changes everything. So if you're tired, worn out, or just lukewarm, man, try it. Give it a shot. I challenge you. No complaining. No complaining. From here on out, what is, we're in September, let's just say the rest of September. Do what, what you will, because I know you will. Try it. Try it. God is good. God is faithful. God will never fail you. 
He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how much you need. And nothing blesses the heart of God more than sharing just how thankful you are to him for what he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come.